Welcome. You're about to listen to a message from LifePoint, a warm, friendly, and vibrant community for the young at heart. I paid those guys to... But it... My fans, my fans. You, you will get the alert, don't worry. But it's... We love you too. I love you too. I love you too. I love you specially. But yeah, it is such an honor and a privilege. I want to honor our parents in the house. Welcome, sir. Welcome, my. So good to have you. Thank you for allowing Sam to grow his hair into dreadlocks. We're so grateful. But it's truly a privilege to be here. Let's just say a quick word of prayer. Um, Father, we thank you because the entrance of your word gives light and understanding to the simple Lord. I know that in and of myself, I cannot teach this topic, but you've asked that it be taught, so please help me. Give me strength, give me grace, give me wisdom, insight, revelation, knowledge, so that I will speak as an oracle of God. I thank you, Lord, because I know you will help me. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Okay, so before I start, thank you for everyone's... Um, I just want to say a quick shout out to my bro for Labi. See the way he was singing? It's clear that the anointing has changed in his life because you get me, you get me. See when BWS was talking about, you know, how-to session earlier today. She was talking about how, you know, do this when you're married to meet the girls. And for that, we were just giving us bars, you know, when I was dating. I was just like, this is like, this was like four weeks ago, bro. What are you on about? When I was dating back then, you know, my girlfriend this, my girlfriend that. I'm like, bro, oh God, just calm down. Just calm down. We just married you up a few days ago. Calm down. But I have a few um, lessons that I would like to expound to you as a pastor. Do you understand? As a, as a preaching bishop, just for this week. Next week, no more advice for you, but this week. So my first rule is rule one. Um, laughing at your own mistakes lengthens your life. But laughing at your, at your wife's mistakes will shorten it. So keep that in mind. Rule two. Rule two says that uh, a study has been done and they found out that women add a few extra pounds. Who add a few extra pounds tend to live longer than the husbands who mention it. So keep that in mind. And then my last rule for you is this. It says, uh, behind every man who thinks he wears the pants is the wife who told him what pants to wear. So keep that in mind for the future. Don't say I didn't do anything for you, my bro. Don't say I didn't do anything for you. The same thing applies to you, H. Road. I know those white pants you wore today. I know who to talk to about that. But um, I want to just thank everyone for coming into service today. It's such a privilege to have you here. Um, I was talking to Abadia on the side, and I was saying when they asked me to teach today's sermon, um, and they said the topic was on vulnerability, I was like, wait, 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 hold up. Talk, let's talk gifts of the spirits. Let's talk, you know, resurrection life. Let's talk things that you can find it's inside the Bible, fine. But I've not seen vulnerability in any scripture in the Bible. But I believe that God has given me some insight and some revelation that I want to share. And the truth about this is vulnerability is something that I've been dealing with, talking to my friends and my family members about in the last two years. So I feel like God is just asking me to come and share from what it is that I have learned. So it's not an all-encompassing uh, conversation, no. I am not yet on Pastor Ayo's level, but I'm getting there. But on the, God bless you, bro. 5K. Mm. But I just believe that God has given me nothing for you. I just believe that God has given me a word in season, and I'm hoping that I'll be able to share it um, to the best of my ability. So I want to, again, just use this as an opportunity to thank my brother, Daniel, for that 
wonderful God experience. You see, the thing is you live with people and you have no idea what they are going through until you engage in an actual activity or vulnerability where you start to actually share the depth of what you're dealing with and you see them and they share the depth of what they're dealing with and then you realize, look, we grew up in the same house. I'm aware of and, and I know what's going on but for me, again, it was just a reminder that there are times when you see somebody for face value alone and you don't know the depth of what they're going through and that, 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 that practice is what I want to try and address today and the hope is that as I teach and as I speak, I will be relevant enough. I want to break tables Kind of like Pastor Dolakwa last week, just shake the tables very hard. But more importantly, <laughs> but more importantly, I want to give you practical tips, things that you can start to do in your own experience, so that you can live a life that is truly relational, so that you will not have gone through life 30, 40, 50 years knowing somebody, and then the person comes to you and says, Oh, you know, two years ago I was dealing with this, and you had no idea. So we're going to talk about that very quickly. Now like I said, the topic for today's sermon is vulnerability. And so I was looking, what can I use to, how do we define vulnerability? I saw this really great quote by Oprah Winfrey, and it says, vulnerability is being willing to express the truth no matter what. The truth of who you are, the essence at your core of what you're feeling at any given moment. It's being able to open up your soul so that others can see their soul in yours. And it's amazing because as my brother was sharing his God experience here on the stage, I was literally having a conversation with another friend of mine. I don't know where she is, but Zainab, I love you very much. And she was saying to me, nah, I can't do this. And I'm like, why can't you do this? She's like, nope, I don't believe that I need to get on any platform to share my experience with anybody for their lives to be changed. And the truth about it is that society has told us that that you know what, what you go through is for you. And once you are done going, have you seen that quote now? Somebody says, ah, I've been going through things. And you to go through it. Well, I me, mean, I'm just coming from what you have been going through. Go, go, go through your own. You know, I've been going through a lot. You to go through your own a lot and then come and miss me. But the truth about it is, the Bible tells us that there is power in testimony. The Bible says that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Inside of your testimony, there is the DNA for deliverance for another person. But for a lot of us, the testimony is locked up on the inside of us. And we take that DNA of deliverance and we shut it up. Because society, our family members have told us that, ah, what you are going through, we do not air our dirty laundry. Our dirty linen is for us and us alone. We wear it with pride in our hometown, but we don't, we don't bring it out. And the truth is, for us as Christians, that is countercultural for us. God is actually calling us to live a life where we are open. Our souls are open. People can read us and see who we are. And they can see the essence of who God has made them inside of our own testimonies. And this thing didn't start today. When God made Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he made them clean and pure. They were naked and unashamed. But once sin came into the, into the conversation, all of a sudden, the same people who are naked and unashamed went to go and find leaves. And I thought to myself, uh, the first fashion designer in the world was Eve. Went to go and pluck some. You say, Adam, cover here, cover here. Me, cover here, cover. Can you imagine? The same people who lived naked and unashamed, as soon as sin entered into the world, they started to cover up their shame. And God asked them a question, who told you you are naked? And that's the question I want to ask you today. 
Who told you you are broken? Who told you you are an adulterer? Who told you? For a lot of us, we have heard the voice of the world and associated that voice with our true identity. So you no longer get your identity from God. You get your identity from what you have. What your ex-girlfriend said about you. Imagine. What your parents who didn't love you said about you. What that teacher who didn't know you said about you. And you build a whole identity around that. And what's worse, sometimes we build a doctrine around it. In a lot of our churches today, our senior and mommy and daddy, I'm so sorry, sir. But our, our older churches are not built on vulnerability. Anybody's going through anything, nobody will know. Then they will not come in two years' time. I have a testimony. Two years ago, I was sick. Ah, this happened, this happened, this happened. But praise the Lord. I am now well. So you were sick for six months. Sister Shion didn't see you. Brother Kola didn't know. But you are now coming to come and tell me, praise the Lord. Or we see it now more in our recent culture. Somebody with your friend, Shion, will just disappear from Instagram for six months, then come back with pregnancy pictures and say, God has done this for me. God did what? God has done it for me. Come and rejoice with me. You hide yourself because you are so scared that if you are seen and known for who you are on the inside, people will not accept you. And that's what I am here to address today. Look, guys, vulnerability is not... Vulnerability is an investment. It is saying to yourself that I am willing to take the essence of who I am and show it to the world and trust that whatever the world sees they will accept it for what it is. It is an, it, and the truth about it is that with any investment in the world, there is a chance that that investment will be misused. But it's choosing and deciding of your own free will that I will make this effort to build deep, strong emotional bonds by revealing who I am on the inside. Look, sin festers in a void. The minute you shut yourself up from the world, that is when sin and all these things start to fester. If you hear the stories of people, and that's why I'm so thankful for our God experiences. Look, I don't want to shade members of church here, but I remember when I first joined LifePoint, this is personal testimony. I think this was the second or third week after I joined. Somebody gave her testimony, her God experience. And I know that this God experiences we do now, people coming to talk about, you know, I had an exam, I didn't read. But I pray to God, God help me, and I pass my exam. Whoop, whoop, hallelujah. Oh, I had exam. Some people, I had exam, I read, and I prayed, and God helped me. And I love that. God help, God bless you as you continue to pass your exams. But when I first came to Life Points, I heard harrowing stories. People would come and sit on, it was this stage, but arranged a different way. It was arranged over there. And talk about how their families, in, their uncles molested them. You know, how they were engaged in a relationship, an abusive relationship for so long. This, that, and the other happened. And me, from my traditional Ibadan ways, I say, Hey, you mean you? In this same church of the Lord, oh my God. And I did the traditional thing, which is to hear somebody's story and immediately start to say, Shake it can never be me. Or alternatively, start to even judge. I say this story all the time to the glory of God. I'm now like for loving that I wear t-shirts and jeans. But when I first came to Life Point, I came with my full suit to pay any people are serious. I came near to worship God. And when we worship God, we worship God dressed to the nines because God is worthy of the real glory. Only for me to come to church and see Falabi wearing t-shirt. He rolled up his sleeves. You know, his hand was in the sky. 
his hair was looking somehow. I said, these people are serious. And I already started to judge. I remember that story so clearly because I was standing in the congregation watching for Labi sing and he was doing all this, oh, whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh, and all that. And I'm just thinking, this guy is not serious. Real praise is not like this. <laughs> but what, was, what happened was, as he was worshiping, there was a lady sitting beside me and I was looking at her and I'm like, see us, serious Christians, standing, jumping, giving God praise. You, you are sitting down in this same church. First of all, they're off the lights. Then you now decide that you want to sit. <laughs> on serious pe- fellow. Anyway, Falabi finished singing and everything and then I sat down and I noticed that this girl had been weeping. And imagine how I felt. She was struggling to reveal what was going on on the inside of her. She had come to what she expected would be a safe place. To reveal who she was, what she was going through. And me, my righteous indignation, I had judged her to the nines. So, the point I'm trying to make here is this. Ultimately, God has called us to a lifestyle that is fully revealed. Nothing hidden, nothing kept in the dark. We are expected to live lives that are open for people to read and see. The Bible says you are written epistles, living epistles. All you LifePoint Band members, my people, we are called to a lifestyle of vulnerability where the good, the bad, and the ugly is there to be read by people. Because ultimately, God turns ashes into beauty. A lot of us, we were talking about this on the panel today. Ah, do you want to uh, follow your spouse? Do you want to chase your spouse? People say, no, me, shoot my shots. I'm a woman, I love chasing. They let them chase me, blah, 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 blah. Ultimately, all of that is self-defense mechanisms. You don't want to be hurt. You don't want any ashes in your life. Ashiko, ashini. I don't want to, always guiding. But the truth about it is there is not a single person on the earth who has worked and walked in purpose who did not have ashes to present to God. You cannot go through life hiding your ashes under the carpet of Instagram uh, stories and presenting a veneer to people of perfection. That's not you. And God does not want your vanished, vanished image of yourself. God wants the real you. The real you. So, as I continue, the question then is, why is vulnerability important? We've talked about what vulnerability is. I've already touched on some other parts of my message, but I want to really talk about this for a few minutes. Why is vulnerability important? The reason why, first reason why is because, one, Jesus died for you. And if you really want to live like him, the Bible tells us that you have to be a partaker in his sufferings. That's the hardest part to preach in any church. Ah, to be like Jesus, you must be a partaker of the sufferings. Yes, I understand that some of those sufferings are the sufferings of self-denial, you know, the sufferings of, you know, fasting and prayer, the sufferings of, you know, when you don't feel like he's coming into church and being there and all of that, that's fine. But you know one of the sufferings that Jesus endured? The Bible says that he was acquainted with grief, a man of sorrow. There are times when you will present yourself to people and people will say, ah, what's this? Bah, take it, I don't want. And it will grieve you in your heart. Do you think that is everywhere Jesus went that he was accepted? The whole son of God. He kept going to places, they would do this. They would say, ah, no. He would send his disciples some places. They would say, no, we don't want to. He said, dust your feet, continue moving. 
it is not everywhere you go, you will be accepted. But you don't get the right to tell God, I'm not going to, to Nineveh. You don't get that right. Jesus paid a whole price for you to be free. And he expects you to be willing to lay your life down in the same way. At the risk of getting hurt. At the risk of getting rejected. The Bible says that he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he became the form of a servant. And he was humbled unto death. He cruised on the cross. And you would think that that sacrifice alone, once people heard about it, everybody would be like, ah, this Jesus, I love you forever. But no. People still, till today, reject the Christ. So if they rejected the Christ, in his essence, coming as a clean, spotless lamb, they will reject you too. But you need to understand that there is a reward for partaking in the suffering of Jesus. And so I will not hold back my testimony because I'm scared of being rejected. I will not hold back my testimony because I am scared that people will refuse it or people will disdain it. No. As a matter of fact, I count it worthy to be a partaker of the suffering of Christ. And that's the mindset I want all of us to go with today. The second thing is because, and this one I want to hammer in really, really deeply. Yo, I asked everybody, who are you? The first thing people will say is, oh, I am Shola, wonderful. Who are you? I'm Shola, the musician. Okay, who are you really? For a lot of us, our identity is attached to what we do, what we have, and what people have said about us. If Jesus were born today, eh, and you were given the responsibility of announcing who he was to the world, you will say everything. Jesus, the master, Jesus, the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Rose of Sharon, Lily of the Valley, Bright and Morning Star, all those things that we say when we are doing our morning prayers in the morning. You will announce him by all the things he is. But when God was given the responsibility of announcing Jesus to the world, he said, this is son. Because he understood that identity is a function of relationship. You are built for community. You are never built for isolation. The Bible tells us that it is that which every single joint in the body, that which they supply, that causes the body to increase in love. What this tells me is that the day you decide I'm not coming to church because I want to be by myself, you are reducing a portion of what the body needs to increase in love. And you know what? The reason why finger is called finger is because finger is part of hand. You will not know who you are until you find the community you've been assigned to. I'll give you another example in the Bible. They gave birth to a man. They called him Barnabas. Barnabas was Barnabasing all the day long till he found his community. And the day he found his community and he found his identity inside that community, he became son of encouragement. You don't know who you've been called to be until you start to plug into your community. But for a lot of us, because of shame, because of the things that people have said, because of our own self-perception of our identity, ah, people won't love me because I've done this. People won't love me because I don't have this. We fail to pass the true essence of God's love into our communities. And so if I ask people to define you today, if I ask my band members to define me today, they will define me based on how I relate to them in the community. They might be a hard taskmaster. Timothy is a strict guy, but Timothy loves God and Timothy loves me because they know that that is the role I play in my community. The real essence of who you are 
is what your community defines you as. And if you don't have a community, I dare say to you, you haven't found your identity. And the way you build community. I remember when I first came to life, and one of the things that used to upset me so much until I plugged in was after, after service, uh, Shola, sorry, I said Shola, Shola Lawal of, uh, of London memory, um, Falabi, IBK, you know, there were, who else was in New York? Caleb. They will go out, they will go and eat food, they will snap picture. They will now used to come and tension the rest of us on the group chat that, ah, we went to uh, Tales by Moonlight, so go and eat. And we who didn't have community with them, we will now be feeling pain. See what Pastor Dolly said, call your friends. Call them, let's go out. We are part of it, we will build our community, we will work together, we will find our identity in ourselves, in this community. Me now, I'm part of a community. Two weeks ago, Adriel formed group chats for men. I'm on the group chats. <laughs> community. In the band. Community. We rode together. We rode deep. See the way they were hailing me when I came. God bless you. Sausage roll across the board. But the Bible tells us this. It says, the body will increase according to that which every joint supplies. And the Bible also says this, Ephesians 4, sorry, so that you, see I have plenty of scriptures though, but I just feel gingered. So let's read one scripture together. Uh, I like to do this as a practice. Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 15 to 16. So please open up in your Bible so that you won't think that life point, you don't read Bible, we read Bible. Me in particular, I read Bible. Let's go together. But speaking the truth, ah, no, no, come on guys, let's say it together. But may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. Next verse. Whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Okay, this is KJV, so people are swearing for me. Please give it to me in the New King James or in the Passion. Let's read it in the Passion. Ah. I should have said this earlier. Should I open it in my own Bible? Okay, let's go. Let's do from verse 15. No, this is still KJV. This is still KJV. If you have your Bibles open, just look for Ephesians. Oh, Jesus, help me. Chapter 4, from verse 15 to 16. Let me open it up in my own Bible. And I sent the thing to them ahead of time, well, to Daniel. Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 15 to 16. And I'll read it in the Passion. It says this, But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into Him, the anointed head of His body, the church for his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one and every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all and these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body we are built up and made perfect in love the point I'm trying to make here is this because there is a gift on the inside of you that God deposited from the day you before you are born that gift is for the body. The minute you decide that you are going to hold that gift onto yourself, you are depriving your community of something that God has prepared for it. 
And so when we say vulnerability, see what the Bible says, speaking the truth in love. The way we think about it, and if you grow up in a church like mine, is when somebody's wrong, you bring the truth, but you just temper it with love. So if, if uh, Sharon misbehaves, I say, Sharon, you're misbehaving, but I'm telling you in love. No. The truth in love is when I make a mistake, I call my people, I say, Sharon, a minimum shame mistake. I'm telling you this truth in love. And it's this, that exchange of love where Sharon sees me, the matter is fallible. He can make mistakes. And he's willing and able to share the truth of those mistakes he's made with me. It lets her know that the next time she makes a mistake, the next time she slips up, she can talk to me. There are many of you like that. You are waiting for someone to come and tell you when they have made a mistake. You are not willing to tell them when you've made mistakes. Or rather, you want to wait for a year to pass by before you share the truth of your own mistakes with them. It's a lie. Spiritually, we have been called to be written epistles, open books for people to read. So when the Bible says share the truth, speak the truth in love, even when you make mistakes, let love guide you to the people that you are connected to, to say, look, I made this mistake. I slipped up. See the way Daniel said it. He said, Tito, Tito, Tito. Tito comes to my house all the time. You are not going to be coming anymore. But he comes to my house all the time. We'll be making noise. in the Michelle, a lot of making noise. But you know what? It is in that place of a vibrant community that he could find healing. And if he had not spoken to them about what he was going through, he would still be a well shut up in one corner somewhere. The Daniel you see running around today, be doing this, doing that, he's doing that because he fully understands his identity as revealed in the community he has plugged into. So please, speak the truth in love. Find a community, join them. Be willing, be open, be vulnerable. And then the last thing I want to say, ah, see me sweating. Hey, Jesus, I know me. <laughs> When I, when I talk about spiritual gifts and I'm preaching Ephesians, I don't sweat like this, but this one I'm sweating. The last thing I want to say is this. The third, I said, so I said, what, what were the two reasons I said? I said, the first reason is what? Because Jesus died for you and you're supposed to be a partaker in his sufferings. The second reason is because your identity is revealed through community. And the third reason is because you did you. I can really tell the people that are going to class and say, Pastor Boyga, see what Dimnadi said about you. But you see, one of the things that I realized that I'm working on in my own experience is that my parents were not very vulnerable with us as children. They're going through things. There's no money. There's no kidney. You just keep it on you say, you say you're working on it. You're working on it. You're working on it. But I can see that there's no gas to cook food. You're working on it. You know what I realized? That if, as a child, my parents were willing to have these true conversations with me, they might say things aren't the way they are right now. They're not the way they're supposed to be but we're working on it. Your mom and I, we're putting things together. We don't have this. We don't have that. Tell me the truth. And I'm not talking about when I was five, seven years old. I'm talking about in my adulthood, 17, 18, 20 years old. We would just see that things weren't working. And we'll be asking ourselves, what's going on? Ah, we're working on it. But if they had done that, if they had been true and real with me at that age, I tell you that our relationship now would be so different. There are times that my dad will call me and say, Demari, you and I are not so close. What's going on? I'll say, sir, it's not me that I used to form. Like, I was a child. It's the father who's supposed to turn to the child and build that relationship. Bless you, my bro. And build, and build that relationship. You've been called to be one flesh. 
The Bible says that, you know, and then a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto one flesh. Look, it is the practices that you develop outside of marriage that you will take into marriage. Am I right, Falabi? The things that you have been practicing outside of marriage, those are the things that you will carry into marriage. The friendships that you have built and that have taught you the right strategies to behave, those are the, the same things you will carry into marriage. If you cannot tell your friends when things are going wrong, you will not tell your wife, believe me. And I'm not married yet, but I know. If you cannot tell your friends when you are dealing with depression, when things aren't going well at work, you can't tell them the truth. Or that you slipped up or you slept with somebody you were not supposed to sleep with. If you can't tell them the truth, when your wife comes, you will cheat, eh? And you will not tell her. Okay, okay. You think the people that are doing it now, you think the people that are doing it now, you don't know that it's, it's the same thing. You have not built in yourself the mechanisms for truth telling all the time. You miss people. Your friends say, ah, they marry how far? Let's go out now. We go out. They marry how you day. I'm fine. Ah, things with you, man. We roll. You know, you know, ah, what about your last week, man? Sweet. You just, you cannot share the truth of what you are dealing with with your people. And then when you now get into a covenant relationship, a covenant friendship, you won't be able to, look, even Jesus the day that he was about to die, he called the disciples. He said, look, see, guys, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. He was willing to share with them. Not because the disciples could do anything about it. Peter, James, and John were sleeping when my guy was praying tears of, of blood. They were sleeping. But he understood the value of letting them know what he was going through. And that's the same thing. If you don't practice it with your friends, if you don't practice it with the people that you have been called to be community with, you will find that when you get into relationships into, with your wife, with your girlfriends, whatever, you won't be able to do the same thing. You'll be limited in your ability to share. So I put it to you today, guys. Make a conscious habit. When you say MVP, MVP after service, when they ask you to go and share with people, MVP, you meet the person, how far? Hey, man, hey, man, how you doing? What's up, what's up, what's up? Hey, how was your day, man? It was sweet, you know. Or you say, I was feeling down. What does feeling down mean? Use feeling words. I was, you know, man, this past week, I was just so lethargic. I wasn't able to do my work properly. Why were you, that's what Adrian was talking about. Why? Why were you feeling that way? Oh, man, I just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Why? What is it that is, what is it that's causing that? Be willing, use feeling words. I was talking to a friend of mine. She was telling me about, oh, she's dealing with this, she's dealing with that. Oh, you're okay, you're dealing with it. But why do you think that's happening? What, what are those words? What, use those words. Tell me what you are dealing with. And that's the practice. I want. So when we do MVP after the service, don't just say, hey, Chema, Chema, Hafa, Hafa, we did, we did, we roll, we roll. No. Share the truth of your experience with people. And see how God will use that testimony to turn people's lives around. So, we've gotten into the meat of what I want to talk about now. How do we practice vulnerability? And I want to use an example in the Bible very quickly. So in John chapter 4, Jesus, the Bible says that, you know, Jesus was with his disciples and the Bible says that he had no other option. He had to go through Samaria. So he gets to Samaria and what does he do? The Bible says that he sits on a well. And as he sits on a well, Samaritan woman comes and he says to her, give me to drink. And as he gives, says to her, give me to drink, they start engaging in this conversation. And it's that conversation that leads to her total restoration. In the same way, we've been called to a lifestyle with our community where you must make deliberate action 
to meet with your people. You say, Demari, do you want to hang out? Man, I'm busy this week, yo. Demari, what about this, this weekend? Oh, man, ah, so much to do. Work, 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 work. Some of you, you take pleasure in how much work you do. You are working Monday, Nifemi, Monday to Friday. Saturday, you are working. Sunday, you are working. No. Carve out time in your schedule and be deliberate about how you meet with people. Tomorrow, I've told Chemaka, where are you? I've told her, we are going to lunch. She has been posting me for months, but I'm deliberate. We sit down, this is where we are going. Be deliberate about it. Jesus sat down on the well and he, she knew he was not going anywhere anytime soon. He was there for an encounter with her. In the same way, you must tell your friends, I'm here for you today. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. My friends in said she can testify. My friend Rolly, who is watching me online, she will testify. I've gone with them to the hair, to the hair salon before. I'm here for you, sir. We go, we move. Last night, they'll make fun of me. I see this big man in the hair salon where people are making it. No problem, I will sit down beside you. I know how they do nails now. I know what a French tip is. Ah, okay, okay. I say, I, I, know, their, I know the name of their, of their nail technician. I know his name. When they are saying, oh, I'm on the phone with her, I say, I know him. Give him my regards. I'm here for you. We sit down on top of this well, we move. The second thing is, the Bible says that Jesus initiated conversation with her. He said, give me water to drink. In essence, he was saying, look, I'm thirsty. That is another thing. So, please write this down. What did I say number one is? Ah, this is I knew you're not paying attention. Number one is deliberate action. Make a commitment. I am jamming this person. Today, we talk. That's number one. Number two is you must initiate conversation. Like I said, none of those alpha, alpha, chairman, chairman, we did, we did, toile, toile, bye-bye, bye-bye. No. Initiate conversation. Tell me what is going on with you. How are you feeling? How has your week been? What are you feeling right now? How are you dealing with this situation at work? How are you dealing with your family? You know, what about your friends, our other friends? Have you spoken to them? Initiate conversation. Ask them real questions. And when they say, oh, we did now, we are fine. Tell them to use feeling words. I'm a bit upset. I had a vulnerable conversation with my friends in the other day. I said, when I invite you for things that are important to me, you don't show up. We, we went back and forth about it. So she told me her own. I told her my own. After a while, I also ghosted from the conversation. Ghosting is not good, by the way. But I ghosted from it. But the point I'm trying to make is, we shall talked about it. And I must be honest with you, after I had that conversation with her, because what happened was I had invited her for one of the preachings that I, one of the rare occasions that I preached in the past, I invited her. She said she was going to come. She couldn't make it for whatever. She had a legitimate reason, but I wasn't very happy. And I realized that I stored that unhappiness in my heart. And so the next time we had a communal event together and I invited her, she could not make it immediately. Ah, ah, what's all this? Every time I invite you for things, you don't show up and everything. Talk about resentment from months and years past to it was showing up a few, a few years later. So I had a conversation with her to say, Zena, I feel like when I invite you for stuff, you don't show up, blah, blah, blah. And she told me, had her legitimate reasons and everything. So when it, Pastor Busola told me, you are preaching this Sunday. In fact, I already said, I'm not inviting her. No, I'm not telling her. I'm not telling her anything. So she won't come and give me another. I don't even want to. Me like, but my excuses here. I don't like it. I didn't want to tell her. But yesterday, I just felt it in my heart. You are called for community. And inside of your testimony is the deliverance for somebody else. So I put a message on the group chat. Hey guys, I'm, I'm going to be teaching on Sunday. Cordially inviting you to our service in church. Please try and make it. No pressure. Obviously, you have to plaque it. And say, no pressure. Just say, if you can make it. If you can't make it, it's all right. It's cool. Tell me why. 
at, what time is it? At 10.50, she's sending me messages. Oh, I'm seeing your brother up on stage. She might be here. I don't know if she's inside, but she's, if she's not here, she's at least watching. Because I chose to be vulnerable. I chose to be open with her. I could have bottled that resentment after I'm a man of God. And the Bible says that you should let go of all offense and everything. I'm, I'm a man void of offense towards God. I mean, I'm not offended. I walked on myself. Hallelujah. But in, the, in, my, in my willingness to share that with her, I have seen her. Somebody who, who naturally on a Sunday would be having a swell time. I'm sorry, Zena, but I didn't mean to shade you. But Listening to the word of God. More than anything else I could have done, I know that this week the word of God has entered her life. And in that way, I am contributing to the body and the body is increasing in love. So I, t- I can tell her, oh, Zina, I love you, I love you, I love you. But where is the true expression of my love for her? It's in introducing her to the word of God. And that is the next thing. So I said number one is what? Be deliberate. Number two is what? Initiate the conversation. Number three. Oh, my notes are closed up. I've been talking. Number three. Um, yes, right. Number three is this. Be quick to hear. The Bible says be slow to speak. Joseph, what's the scripture? Sorry, I'm sorry I'm doing this, but he and I will be meditating on this scripture together. What's the scripture? From Proverbs, be slow to speak, swift to hear, and slow to wrath. That's the next thing. Be slow to speak. Sit down there. Listen to what people have to say. Let me tell you, as a pastor, in quotes, because I'm not really a pastor, I'm a pastor, in quotes, when people come and say, ah, Jemari, I'm going through this thing, the natural response is you want to tell them about how you two also went through it and how the Lord delivered you and on the same way, the Lord shall deliver you to you in the mighty... No. Sit down. Keep quiet. Listen. Sit down. Keep quiet. Listen. Let me tell you something. Have you had conversations with people where they start telling you their problems and by the time they are done talking to you, they have found the solution themselves? Sit down. Keep quiet. Listen. Let them talk through their pain. That talking through pain sometimes is, no, sit down. Keep quiet. Listen. And as you talk through that thing, as you share one with another, you start to see that it's in that place of vulnerability that healing starts to come forth. Let me tell you something that wowed me the other day. I was reading it in Isaiah. God is talking about the fast. He says, this is not the fast that I've been saying. Lose the bonds of wickedness to do this, to do that. You know, this is how I want your fasting to be. Blah, 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 blah. Gives very clear instructions. But there's one part that we always miss out. And I'm saying, when I say we, I'm not even talking about me coming from a traditional tongue, fires, breathing church. It says, during this fast, I do not want you to hide yourself from your own flesh. There are people in your community to, who, when you are fasting, you will not say, oh, Muti, lock up, Lenny. I'm locking up. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm spending my time in the Word and everything. No. Don't hide yourself from your flesh. Meet people. Speak with them. There is no use in having generated all this spiritual power and it not being used to administer to people who are... You are called to loose the bands of wickedness in people's lives. You fast and pray, but you consume it on your own loss. God, I'm fasting and pray. Wife, I'm fasting and pray. Money. Meanwhile, there are people in your community who are suffering and you don't want to help them with the power that you generated for your own self. 
Is that not selfishness? So the next time you go on a fast, ask the Holy Spirit to direct you. Who, who's, who are the people who are bondaged around me who I can lose today? Devil, you are in trouble. We walk, we are moving, we will go and help these people because we have spent time fasting and praying, waiting upon the Lord. Our strength is renewed. So, like I was saying, be deliberate, initiate conversation, and as you initiate conversation, sit down, hear, listen. And the last thing I want to say is that true love introduce people to love. Introduce people to love. Jesus has a conversation with this woman. He says, look, um, what he did was he said, look, you know, you've had five husbands. The one you are currently with is not your husband. And I can imagine if I was the one who God gave that revelation to, the way I would have delivered this was very different. Ah, see, I thus said the Lord, I have a word of wisdom concerning you. Mm, Deborah, mm, mm, mm. you are an adulterer. Five husbands, she, Wale, stop me if I'm wrong. Kunle, Uluato, Sin, and then Kamoro. And the sixth one you are with, Bowale, is not your husband. But thus said the Lord, you shall be delivered this night. Kneel down, raise up your hands, close your eyes. That's how we, that's how we do it. That's not what you are called for. You are called to use knowledge to introduce people to love. Let me tell you a quick story as I begin to wrap up. There was a story I was listening to. This young boy in America, he was in class, maybe eighth grade or ninth grade or whatever, and they had found that the, the guy had all the tendencies. He was just a disturbed child. Had all the tendencies of a school shooter. They, you know, they have a profile. If they see you exhibiting certain behaviors, you know, this one, danger waiting to happen. So they were, they were going to expel him. Anyway, they bring a counselor into school. The counselor comes and the counselor starts asking him, so what do people say you are? And he says, oh, they say this, they, they say this about me, they say that about me and everything. And he says, what do you think you are? And the boy says, I think I'm invisible. And, and the counselor says, why do you think that? He says, well, because in my home, I have so many siblings, nobody sees me. And so he does all these dangerous things to get people's attention. And so the counselor says to him, okay, that's fine. Now, if you met unconditional love, what would unconditional love call you? And he gave the weirdest answer. He says, music theory. And he had to think, what does that mean? And he says, it's when I'm playing music or I'm listening to music or when I'm in music class that I find the most joy. And so love called him music. Not what he did, not what people said he was. Love called him what his true identity was. And it was in that place that they understood this boy has been called to be a musician. So they get a music teacher. They get him, introduce him to a few people. And all of a sudden, the guy goes through a whole year of school, has not one negative incident. His grandpa, who he was living with, because again, his parents had passed away. His grandpa, who he was living with, all of a sudden noticed that this child has changed. And starts loving on him and he's calling the school to say, hey, I just bought this, this boy new clothes. This, that, and the other. All of a sudden, because that boy was introduced to unconditional love, him and his community started to grow. He now has a music teacher who loves him. His grandfather loves him. His friends are starting to get, they started getting attracted to him. All because of an introduction to love. So I'm saying this to you. Be vulnerable with people. Let them introduce you to love. 
let people be vulnerable with you. Make a decision in your heart. Because what happens when people come and tell you their stories, you, the arm and body, Niger gossip in you will just come alive. You start, but you forget that that is an opportunity to introduce them to love. And the last thing I want to say is this. Learn to use these occasions as an opportunity to call out the truth of people's identity. Call out the truth of people's identity. If you've noticed that you have a friend who is good at something, you know, for instance, Falabi is, is great at music. Falabi is also great at, what else are you great at? Help me, bro. Eh? Tennis. Tito will beg to differ, but it's okay. But you see, even when Falabi upsets me, and he does regularly, when it comes to come and tell, let me just, classic example, sorry, time is finishing. Today, Falabi also showed up at 8 o'clock. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just, so show up at 8 o'clock, Falabi shows up at 8.30. And when he shows up at 8.30, again, he's my guy, so I can't really argue, I'm just like, oh guy, you came late, blah, 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 and he says, oh, Timadi, you forget that I sold my car, I don't have my car with me anymore. And immediately, my house smokes me. And I said to him, I said, bro, I got you, bro. Anytime, anywhere you need to go, call on me. I will be your driver. You move anywhere. But you know what I remembered? I remember that Fulabi is not, Fulabi is not a, he's not a fair weather person. If he says he's going to be here at a time to do something, he tends to be there on time. So in my heart now, I have reaffirmed what his identity is. Fulabi is not fair weather. I've said it to myself. Falabi shows up when I need him. He's always there for me when I need his help. Falabi introduces me to people. He's a doorway that I have walked through on many occasions into the lives of people of influence. So I know who he is. And in my heart, irrespective of what he has done, I am reaffirming his identity to myself. The same thing happened with Jesus. John the Baptist loses a sense of who he is and gets thrown into prison. And he sends word to his cousin, his younger cousin. Says, look, ah, ah, are you he that cometh or should we wait for another? And what does God do? God gives him two things. One, a testimony. Jesus gives him a testimony. Says, go and tell John again that the blind see, the lame hear, the deaf walk, and the poor have the gospel spoken to them, preached to them. Inside of that identity is the key for your deliverance. And then the second thing he says, after the disciples go, he turns to people and he says, look, what did you go into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? No. This is my cousin. He's the most reliable person I know. He's the best prophet that has ever lived. Declaring the truth of John the Baptist's identity to the whole world. So even when John the Baptist seemed like somebody who was waffling around, his cousin said, no, he's not that. He's the prophet, a prophet like none other. Not shaken by the wind, not a waffler. He is solid, unmovable, unshakable. And that is our responsibility today. When people come and they are vulnerable with you, or when you have the opportunity to be vulnerable with other people, do not leave without reaffirming your identity in Christ. Let them speak your identity over you as a confession. Let them tell you who you are. You are chosen, not forsaken. You are not the sum of your failures. In fact, you are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You are not a failure. You are an eternal excellency, the joy of many generations. You are washed in the blood of the Lamb. You are the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Anybody who comes before you, any enemy that comes before you one way will flee seven ways. Let them reaffirm your identity and you too do the same when people come and they are vulnerable with you. 
That is the way the body increases itself in love. My time is far spent. I could say so much more. But I want to reaffirm to each and every one of us, we are called for community. We are called to be a part of community. And for some of you, you are saying, why should I share my burdens with people when they are going through so much? People are dealing with things, you know, they're, they're, they're going through things and I, I, mean, I, I don't want to burden my, burden my friends with what I'm going through. The truth is, every time you refuse to share your burdens with other people, they say, so, I want you to commit in your heart as we bow our heads and begin to pray. That, Lord, I will not run away from the potential for intimacy. I will be a functional part of the community you have placed me in. I will contribute to my community. I will help to reaffirm the identities of the people you have placed me in community with. I will be deliberate. I will initiate conversations. I will heal. I will love. I will share. I will not be a well that is stored up. I will be an open epistle that people can read. And I want you to, I know for some of you here, you are seeing your friends, their faces that are flashing through your minds of people you, you are being called to be a part, whose lives you've been called to be a part of. I want you to commit in your heart. Start making plans. Tuesday, I'm going to see this person. Thursday, I'm going to call Ajoke. Friday, I'm going to call Rolly. Monday morning, I'm going to do this. Make a plan in your heart. We've been called to be one flesh. We've been called to be one body. Joined together. Supplying according to the increase of love. Father, we thank you. We thank you because now we receive grace to be vulnerable. We receive grace to speak your truth, the truth of what we are going through in love. We receive grace to open up our souls to people, to be read by people and so that we can also read them. Lord, we thank you because now our communities are growing in love. Lord, you are renewing our strength. We are rising up together. We thank you, Father, because we know you will help us. Lord Jesus, we thank you because we know you are the one who is the pattern and we choose to follow after you. Vulnerable to a fault. And Holy Spirit, we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. If you are blessed by that sermon, give glory to God. Give glory to God. My fans, give glory to God. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening. We hope that the message has blessed your heart. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng For more information about us and all our other resources, please visit www.lifepointng.org